Well, good evening. My name is Jeannie. I'm so glad that we can be together this evening. And um, as, as many have said, you know, we've been in this series uh, over the last couple of weeks called Awakening. And we were looking at what would a fresh awakening look like in our lives. And even though, you know, we're all here in this room this evening, and we all, you know, came in from different things going on, different days, different experiences, we're in different seasons of life, different things, you know, that are happening to each of us. While we're very different, there are some things that make us quite similar, actually, here in this room. You know, it could be a big thing or a little thing in your life, but what makes us similar is that we all have a desire to change. We all have a desire to be transformed. And what's so amazing is that God is actually the one that, that wired that desire into you. He's, he's the author of giving you that desire to want to be transformed, to want to, to, want to become more like him. In, in order for us to become the very best versions of ourselves, to become all of who God created us to be, there's lots of decisions that lie along the way. And we've been looking at this verse over the last couple of weeks that really speaks to this process of transformation, that speaks to this process of making decisions to move towards these people that God created us to be, to be awakened to this. And, and we've been looking at this passage. It's found in, in the book of Isaiah. And uh, we're going to spend a few moments, and we're going to read this passage together, if that's okay. And we're going to put it up here on the screen. It's found in Isaiah 43. And I'd love for us to start out our time here together by reading this together. It says this, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? And that verse actually, um, there's so much hope in that verse because the verse actually goes on and it says, I am making a way in the wilderness. Anyone ever felt like they were in a wilderness? That's, that's what God does. He makes a way in the wilderness. He says, I'm making streams in a wasteland. And, and the reason that I love this verse and the reason I love that we're memorizing it during this series is, is it's such a good reminder to me. Hopefully it's a good reminder to you as well, especially to those of us that when we look at our past and we look at things that have happened uh, and we think, gosh, there are some things in my past that I would really like to forget. I don't know about you, uh, th that's true of my story. There are some things that, you know, I just go, oh man, if I, if I could just put a big old eraser on that. I mean, how many of you have a few things in your life that you have a few regrets over? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if we're being honest, I mean, anyone here ever done something really, really dumb? Yeah, yeah, and those of you that are not raising your hands, you're lying in church, okay? <laughs> it's, not, it's not a good way to start out this evening. Uh -huh. We've all done dumb stuff, haven't we? I know I have. We've all done dumb stuff. In fact, I was, I was studying for this message, and I was thinking about, you know, where we were going. I was reading God's Word this past week, and I thought, you know, Maybe I'll just mix it up this week, and we'll just, you know, turn the lights up, and we'll start with a microphone over here on the right, and we'll just sort of pass it down the aisles, and everyone can confess the dumbest thing they've ever done in their life. And I thought, you know, that would really, that would make church so interesting. People would never forget that, you know? Um, but I, I figured I might go a different route. Um, but there's things in our past that we'd like to take an eraser to, aren't there? There's a bunch of things that I look back on in my life and I think, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? Like, how could I have gone down that road? 
And there's, there's big things and there's small things. Like, one of the things that I look back on in my past that, you know, I just have a lot of, like, what was I thinking is literally an entire decade of my life. We'll just call it the 80s, okay? And I look back and I look through my family album and I think, oh my gosh, why didn't my parents like put away the camera? Because I had bangs that literally, like they doubled as a weapon. They were, they were literally that big. I had a full mouthful of braces and I had glasses going on at the same time. And so, you know, that trinity of those three was really a not a positive combination for me. And I was way into neon. And then there was a season there in the 80s where I was really into Michael Jackson. And so my primary accessory was a one glove Michael Jackson glove. And so I look back on those photo albums and I just think mom and dad, Camera was not necessary during this season of life. I mean, I look back and I think, oh my goodness, what on earth was I thinking? But we all know that it runs much deeper than fashion, doesn't it? I mean, you probably look back in your life, I probably have these things as well. Maybe it was a time in your life. Maybe it was one night. Maybe it was a weekend. Maybe it was a week. Maybe it was a year. And just think, oh gosh, if, if I just wouldn't have gone there, if I just wouldn't have done that, if I, could just, if I could just forget that time in my life. Maybe it has to do with money. You know, and probably every one of us has, has made a dumb purchase at some point, right? And we think, why, why did I spend my money on that? I have no idea why I bought that thing that was so silly, that was so, that was so dumb, that was so foolish, Maybe it had to do with a relationship. And you look back on your life and, and you go, oh my gosh, what, what was I thinking? Like, why, why did I date her? <laughs> or why did I date him? Like, or why, why did I start, you know, along the lines and, and getting connected to that group of friends? And, and, you know, what happened was it led me down this path and that path, it just, it started to lead me towards destructive. And what, what was I thinking? And it's really amazing when we look at our life in reverse, isn't it? Because there's things that you can, you can see and there's things that you just go, oh my gosh, if I would have known before I went down that road, maybe things would be different. Like, how could I have been so blind? How could I have been so dumb? How could I have been so foolish? I mean, have you ever stopped and, and sort of wondered and looked at your life in reverse and thought, how did I get there? Because here's the funny thing. I don't think anyone has ever like, stepped out into their life and said, my deepest desire is to be a fool one day. That's no one's desire, is it? No one wants to walk into a life of, of foolishness. But somehow we find ourselves in these situations and we think, what was I thinking? How did I get here? I remember um, when Jarrett and I first met. Uh, I was in college, and uh, he was in college, but I was in college here, and he was in college in uh, California. And he had flown out to Chicago, and we met through some mutual friends. He was looking at the school that I was attending, and he was thinking that maybe he might go there one day, and we met through some mutual friends. And it was great, and it was wonderful. And, and I always love when couples get together, and you know, they tell their story of how they met, because I always feel like there's sort of two versions of the story, right? There's, there's the elaborated version, and then there's the right version. And I'm going to give you the right version tonight, okay? And so when Jared and I met, um, he, you know, he likes to say that, you know, when we met, there was like this instant connection. There was just this, like, chemistry, and there was, like, love, like, hearts floating in the air, you know? And, like, you know, like, people all around us could just feel it. And it was like, yes, these two, they're destined for one another. But here's the thing. 
I knew that Jarrett was in a three-year relationship, okay? And I'm a respectable woman, and so I'm not going to go there, right? Jarrett, on the other hand, and so... Um, he had spent a couple of days in Chicago, and uh, after he left to go back to California, he had slipped a note underneath my dorm room door. And it was a three-page note. And I opened up this letter, and he just started writing. And I could tell that it was just stream of conscious when he began to write this note. And he just started saying, I just, I've never met anybody like you. I, I loved spending time with you. I've never met somebody that thinks like you. I think I love you. I don't know if I should have said that. There's this girl. It's been three years. You can see why it was three pages long, right? And there's just a lot of that. But this letter, this letter is truly one of my most prized possessions in life. If my house was on fire, I would run into the house to grab this letter. I'd grab my kids and my dog as well. Um, but that letter totally changed my life. It literally, it changed the course, it changed the direction, it changed the trajectory. That letter began to change my life. I, f I began to fall in love. It changed my life. Well, I was a, a junior at the time, and uh, he was as well, and so we began to date long distance, 18 months. And uh, there were no uh, cell phones. There was not email uh, back in these prehistoric times. I know that's shocking to you. Um, and so we began to write, and we began to call, and, you know, as we you know, were able to save up money, we would take trips and, and that kind of thing. And uh, after 18 months, you know, I started thinking, like, gosh, this has really gone on for a long time. Like, we've been doing this long-distance dance for quite some time, and I think I love this person. I, th I think I'm in love with this person. I think I, I want to spend the rest of my life with this person. But i got to figure this out because we've never lived in the same zip code. Like, what if we get to the same zip code and it's really, really bad? And uh, all along, I kept hoping, like, maybe he's going to transfer to the school that I'm in. You know, maybe, you know, he'll just come this way, but that didn't work out, and so I realized, okay, I've got to do something. You know, I, I've got to figure out how we're going to get in the same place and see if this is, you know, a, a relationship that's worth staying in. And so I remember walking up to the register at uh, my college and saying, I've got to figure out how to graduate early. I've got to figure out how to get out of here. And I remember the, the person saying to me, like, are you sure you want to do that? This is your senior year. Like, you've waited a long time for your senior year. Like, and you sure you want to leave early? And I was like, no, I really want to go. I think I'm in love. I want to go to California. The register's like, okay, okay, you know. And uh, I remember telling my parents, and my parents had met him, and they thought he was amazing, but they were like, are you sure this is what you want to do? Like, you know, what are you going to do when you get there? Where are you going to live? And I'm like, I don't know. I'll figure it all out. And um, and people kept asking me these questions and kept asking me, you know, like, you know, well, how are you going to make all of this happen? And, and I just thought, you know, I don't know. I'll, I'll just figure it out. And, and every single time somebody asked me a question that would have led to needing a wise answer, I just sort of found an answer that would suffice their question. And if I'm being really honest, I moved to California the middle of my senior year of college because of a heart choice, not because of a wise choice. I changed the whole course of my life because of my heart. And uh, the second that I got there, I realized, boy, I just made a heart choice, not a wise choice. Because the job that I got uh, the first couple of weeks that I was there, I hated the job. 
It was terrible. I was miserable. The family that I was living with, it was not like a really great conducive situation to me. I had just left college and then had, you know, moved into this other situation that was not really all that great. I didn't feel at peace in my heart. Everything was great with Jarrett, and I knew that our relationship was right, but I knew that I had made a decision that I wanted to make. I wanted to be in California. That was my desire, and so I just did it. I made a heart choice, not a wise choice. And if you've ever seen someone that starts to go down a road like that, um, and you've been down that road, right? You've made a heart choice. Your first thing is like, where's the caution sign? Like, I've got I've to stop them. I've got to say, like, are you sure you want to do this? I've been down that road. I don't, I don't know if you want to go down that road. But what happens? When somebody's in the middle of a heart choice, they say, oh, you don't understand, you don't understand. I'm following my heart. I'm following my heart. I've got good feelings about this. Or maybe they say, but I love him. But I love her. And the heart, the heart often does what the heart wants to do, doesn't it? And sometimes no amount of counsel can keep someone going down a road that they want to go down. And the heart is a very good thing. Emotions are very important. Understanding our feelings is essential to a healthy life. But hearts are also a very interesting thing, aren't they? And feelings have a ton of power. Good power? Sometimes not so good power. Emotions can be incredibly persuasive when it comes to the decisions that we make. And our heart and our feelings and our emotions, they can oftentimes deceive us. An Old Testament writer, Jeremiah, he actually says uh, that the heart is deceitful. He literally says, the heart is deceitful above all things. That, That our heart is literally deceitful. How could something so good be deceitful? He says it literally, it is beyond cure. That's where that phrase, I'm heart sick, comes from. The heart can be beyond cure. And maybe you've heard someone say this, you know, if I just follow my heart, I'm sure it'll take me to a good place. But it's very hard to understand the heart. And I have actually learned over the years that when it comes to making wise decisions... When it comes to making wise decisions, the kinds of decisions that move us from the people that we are right now to the people that we know that God has created us to become, I actually don't think that the heart is the first place that we should begin. You see, my hunch is um, there is something in each of our lives right now, a decision that each of us needs to make. You're probably sitting on some sort of teeter-totter. You're right in the middle of this teeter-totter. And you know that if you make the decision this way, there's going to be ramifications in your life, right? Or if you make the decision this way, there's going to be ramifications in your life in a different kind of way. And asking yourself the question when you're in the middle of the teeter-totter, when you're in the middle of needing to make a decision, asking yourself the question, well, what does my heart tell me to do? might not be the best question to ask. I actually believe that God has provided for us a better question. A better question. 
Because as the writer of, of the scriptures say to us, our heart is deceitful. And so just coming to our heart and our heart alone to make our decisions is not going to lead us towards wisdom, is it? But I believe the question that we're going to wrestle with here tonight actually is the single best question that can guide your life. I think asking this question literally in every single situation that you are in, when you don't know what to do, I believe that this question will help you know what to do. It will give you insight on the kind of decision that you need to make. Asking this question, even when you have a strong bias, even when you have a, a pretty strong gut reaction as to what you think you're supposed to do, even when you believe that you know, you know that this is what you're supposed to do, this might keep you from going down a road that could land you in a pile of regret and shame. Because we've all been there, right? We've all made these kinds of decisions where we go, oh, I so regret that decision. I don't know why I did that. And I actually think that asking this question that we're going to look at tonight, I literally believe that this question, I believe that this question can foolproof a relationship. I believe that this question can foolproof your finances. I believe that this question can foolproof your career. But this question, it requires a ton of courage to ask. Because this question, what ends up happening is if you really do ask this question of yourself, what will happen is you will peel back the layers of what is really going on in your heart. You will be able to see, what does my heart truly desire? So I want to give you this question. We're going to wrestle around with it this evening and see what God might have for us in it. The question is this. Is this a my way choice? or a wise way choice? Is this a my way choice or a wise way choice? When you are smack dab in the middle of a decision that needs to be asked, asking this question, is this a my way choice or a wise way choice? Here's the thing. We, we literally have, we have this chalkboard in our kitchen, and we have this phrase written on this chalkboard at all times. Our kids already know this phrase. I think it's going to come up here. I took a picture of it last night. We literally talk about wise way choices are better than my way choices. My seven-year-old and my four-year-old, they already know this phrase because we talk about it all the time. Like Elijah and Gigi, when you were just wrestling and you were trying to roll down the stairs and on top of one another, and then you were punching one another, were those my way choices or wise way choices? Gigi, when you got dressed this morning, sweet, beautiful daughter of mine, was that a my way choice when you chose that outfit or a wise way choice? It's almost always a my way choice with her. You see, my way choices are often guided exclusively by our feelings. Well, this is what I feel. This is what I want to wear. This is, what my, this is what I'm feeling right now. Wise way choices are guided by God. Because God is the author of wisdom. He's the inventor of the wise way choice. And we're going to look at a passage that, that really gives context to this question. Is it a my way choice or a wise way choice? And it's found in the book of Ephesians. You've got a Bible in front of you. I'd love for you to grab it. We're going to just take a quick look at this passage tonight. You're going to turn to Ephesians 5. It's found on page 816. 
and this, uh, this passage is, is really interesting because what it, it does is it comes out of a letter. See, Paul wrote this letter, and then he sent it to the church at Ephesus. And this, this church was a young church, and um, they, they were struggling, and, and a lot of the people in this church were making very poor decisions. Their lives were messy. They were filled with a lot of sin. And Paul was, was trying to help them realize that because they had started following Jesus, that they were what he called in this, in this uh, letter, they were now a new creation. They didn't need to live in darkness anymore. And so instead of Paul just giving them a whole bunch of, you know, to-dos and to-don'ts, instead of Paul just saying, okay, here's a list of all of the things that you need to stop doing and a list of all of the things that you need to start doing, he said, instead what I want to do is I want to give you a better way to learn how to make decisions. You can almost sort of picture him when he's writing this letter and he's sort of like, okay, just come here, come here, come here. Listen, listen to me. Here is the secret when it comes to living a wise life. And he says here in Ephesians 5.15, Be very careful. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And Paul's saying, if you want to live a life that is pleasing to God, you want to live a life where you are, you're living in the light. You don't want to have regrets. You don't want to have shame. You don't want to have these, these seasons or these days or these nights or these experiences or these events where you're just constantly going, oh, I just want to do over on that. Here's what you need to do. You need to be very careful. In other words, you can't just sort of haphazardly go through your life carelessly. You need to be on the lookout. You need to watch around. You need to be careful who you marry. It needs to be a very wise choice. Be careful about how you nurture that marriage. You need to be careful with your money. You need to be careful with your friendships. You need to be careful with your children. You need to be careful with your opportunities. You need to be careful, Paul says, how you live. He says, don't live as unwise, but as wise. And oftentimes, I think that one of the things that we, we end up doing is we try to figure, you know, like, how far can I go before I'm unwise? Like, how, how far can I get in life before I get into the zone of being unwise? Like, what's, what's the territory? What's the field? How, how far can I play in here? And it's essentially a backwards way of looking at it, isn't it? It's almost like saying, like, how close can I get to sin without sinning, right? And here's the thing. What it is, is it's saying, how far can I get with my way choices? How far can I get in this life with my way choices? And my way cho choices oftentimes deceive us into thinking just what this verse says. Because what we start to think is that then we'll be able to make the most of every opportunity. If I live this my way kind of choice life, I'm going to be able to make the most of every one of my opportunities. I'm going to do things the way that I want. I'm going to go about business the way that I want. I'm going to do relationships the way I want. I'm going to do marriage the way that I want. I'm going to raise my kids the way that I want. I'm not going to let anybody tell me how to do this. This is going to be a my way choice, and then I'm going to be able to make the most of every opportunity. But you know what ends up happening? 
what ends up happening is in reality, the my way choice just helps us see a very limited view and version of what the best opportunity is. But wise way choices, wise way choices are what keep us from evil. And they are what keep us from choices that end up leading us into regret and into shame and into foolishness. You see, Paul says so clearly in this verse, he says, the days that we are in are evil. He literally says, the days that we are in are evil. Now, he was writing this to a a first century church, the church at Ephesus. But I think if we were to be honest, the days that we are in are not all that much different than the church at Ephesus, are they? I don't think our culture has changed all that much. If anything, it's probably gotten quite a bit worse. And here's the thing. If, if you just drift with the current of our world and you go along with the flow and, and you let your heart and your feelings be the only real compass for guiding your decisions, you will most likely end up on a path towards foolishness. You end up on a path that a very real enemy wants you to end up on. Because there is a very real enemy that wants that to happen in your life. You see, there is a plot, there is a story. It goes all the way back to a garden with a serpent that is hoping, that is literally hoping that you choose to live your life with my way choices. That is the story of the garden, and that story has not changed. For thousands and thousands of years. There is a very real enemy that so cleverly will tell you, just make a my way choice. It's not that big of a deal. It's okay. I mean, really, it's okay. I know, your marriage is rough. It's, it's hard. You guys are constantly fighting. You're constantly going at one another. You know, it just doesn't seem like you can get on the same page. I get it. I get it. Just throw in the towel. It's not that big of a deal. There's a very real enemy that is going to whisper, there's a better way out. That enemy will say, you know, it's okay. I mean, seriously. Those resources, they're your resources anyways. I mean, you're the one that worked hard for them, right? I mean, you're the one that's getting up, going to the job. You just spend that money however you like. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's okay. I mean, it was just one night. Seriously. It was just one night. It's not like you do this every single night. You're probably never going to see that person again. Really. It's okay. Don't worry about it. It's okay. You just looked for a minute. I mean, how bad could it be? Really? You just looked for a minute. It's not like you're an addict or anything. These are the whispers of the spirit, aren't they? Or not the spirit. These are the whispers of the enemy. That that constantly say, just make a my way choice. It's not that big of a deal. And what ends up happening is we can start to make the worst choice look like the best choice. And what ends up happening is that's how we ended up getting into the messes that we ended up getting into in the first place. We convince ourselves that it it won't be that bad. It's not that big of a deal. Every other part of my life is good. How could this little thing be so destructive? 
And Eve sort of had this, this whole presentation. She had this whole plan lined up back in the garden. She probably had a PowerPoint presentation for Adam as to why to take the fruit, right? And ladies, not much has changed for us, right? We are constantly trying to encourage. Take a my way choice. And Paul says so clearly, don't be foolish. Don't be foolish. Don't be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is. And people ask me this question all the time. They, I, I regularly have conversations where people will say, well, how do you know what the Lord's will is? Like, how do you really know what God's will is? And oftentimes when I find myself in those kinds of conversations, I'll usually turn the conversation and ask a question back. And say, I, I don't know if that's, that's the right question for you to be asking. Instead, maybe, how do you know how to make a wise choice? How do you know how to make a wise choice? Because making wise choices has a lot to do with doing God's will. And what Paul is saying to us is so important for us to get because if we continue to make decisions like the ways we've always made decisions, if we just sort of shoot from the hips or we just sort of follow our heart because that's what we've always followed before, or we sort of look around and we see how other people are making decisions and we're like, you know, it didn't get them into that much trouble. I mean, come on, you know, I, I can probably go this route. How bad could it be? As we make wise way choices, what ends up happening is that ushers us through a gateway of beginning to understand God's will for our life. In fact, I want you to think through your life right now. Think through a decision. Think through a place where you're sitting on that kind of teeter-totter. What would it look like if you were to make that decision just going down the route of a my way kind of choice? What might some of the ramifications be, some of the consequences in your life? How might your life look different? Now think of it through a wise way choice. If you were to make that decision in light of wisdom, in light of listening to God, what might your life look like if you were to go down that road? You know, here's the Here's the good news when it comes to making wise way choices. Just a couple books over in the Bible from the book of Ephesians is, is the book of James. And James actually says that if any of you lacks wisdom, and I'm going to assume that's sort of all of us in this room, so if all of us lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. You want to make a wise way choice? You should ask. You want to make a wise way choice? The verse literally says, you should ask. James doesn't say, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should act. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask. But my way choices usually requires us acting right away, doesn't it? But wise way choices always include asking. And here's the amazing thing. God gives generously. He loves us so much. 
He loves to supply us with wisdom. And wise way choices will always include asking instead of acting. In fact, you may want to just simply write this phrase down. I, I keep this in my journal, uh, in the front of my journal, this phrase to, to sort of help me know how to make a wise way choice. And, and it's simple. You, you can remember it quite, quite simply. It says, before I act, I will ask. Before I act, I will ask. You see, God is he's ready and he's waiting and he's hoping that we will come and that we will ask because God so longs to supply us with the wisdom that we need for life. And here's the thing, wise way choices, they are not always the easy way choices, are they? They're not always the easy way choices. They're not always the popular way choices. They're not always the emotionally satisfying choices. They're not always even the fastest choices, but they are always the best choices. Before I act, I will ask. And I have found that when I go before God and I have a decision that I need to make and I ask God, what, what should I do in this situation? And I sense him leading me down a wise way choice. Oftentimes, one of the practices that I've begun to add to that is then what I will do is I will go to someone that has shown wisdom in their life, and I will say, I went before the Lord, I asked him, here's the counsel that I'm sensing him giving to me. Would you spend some time praying with me? Would you spend some time helping me know, is this a wise way choice? Just this last week, I had a situation, and we were, we were sharing a meal with some friends, and we were talking, we were having a great conversation, and uh, in the middle of the conversation, I said to one of the people that we were, we were talking with, I just said, hey, I, I just wanted to let you know, you know, you've really been used in my life this last year to be a voice of wisdom. You've really helped me. You've steered me in the right direction on a couple of really important decisions that I needed to make. You modeled insight. You modeled discernment. And I just wanted to let you know that I, I really see you as a, as a wise voice in my life. And I just wanted to let you know that I give you permission. I give you permission to keep, you know, speaking into my life. Um, you know, if you ever see anything, if you ever see me going down a path of sort of a, a my way kind of path, let me know. I, I, I want to know. Well, we were with those people the, the next day, and um, we were talking, and, and he goes, Hey, you know, yesterday, um, when you told me about me being this sort of wise person in your life, yeah, I think I got something for you. He said, you know, when you were, you were talking yesterday and you were, you know, sharing, you know, your thoughts about that thing, there was something that you said, and, and I'm having a really hard time understanding it, and, and i got to be honest with you. I think you're off. I was like... I think I regret asking you to be a wise friend of my life. <laughs> and I instantly, I instantly felt my defenses rising. You ever been in a situation like that? I instantly felt excuses like coming up from my stomach and forming and coming out of my mouth, like wanting to, to dig my way out of the conversation. I was trying to figure out how to sort of back my way out of, of what he was just sharing with me. But the Holy Spirit pushed in. And I began to listen a little bit. 
I just heard that nudge and that whisper from God say, Jeannie, you asked. You asked. Now listen. And he began to just sort of unpack some things. He began to unpack some, some trends and some, some things that he had noticed. And he was right. He saw some areas of my life where I had some tendency towards pride instead of humility. And the Holy Spirit used that moment to soften my heart, to see how I had been making some my way kinds of choices. You know, this entire last week, I had about three or four different situations where that conversation came right back into my mind where I was tempted to go down a my way choice, I was tempted to say a my way kind of thing, and the Holy Spirit just redirected me in that moment. He said, it's the wise way choice for you right now. Who's a source of, of godly wisdom in your life? Are there people that you can go and you can ask and you can say, listen, I, I've been asking God and I now want to ask you. I don't want to act first, I want to ask first. And so will you help me know, is this a wise way choice? Is there anything in my past, anything in my present, anything in the person that I desire to be in the future that you think this could get in the way if I make this kind of choice right now? Are there people that will tell you the truth when you're making my way kinds of choices? Or would people in your world actually describe you as one of those wise way kinds of people? Do people come to you for wisdom? Do they say, you know, I've, I've got this decision to make. Will you pray with me? Will you ask God with me about what I should do? And wise way choices are better than my way choices. And we make those choices by asking instead of acting. And that's God's deepest desire for us. So that we could experience an awakening and that we could live our lives with wisdom. And I'm going to invite the band to come up and we're going to actually have a few moments right now where we go to God and we do exactly what is in this passage here in James, James 1. And we go to God and we ask him for his wisdom, for his counsel, for his direction. And so I'm going to walk you through a, a few prompts, maybe some scenarios that you might find yourself in in your life right now. And if this describes you, I'm going to ask you to just hold your hand up. I'm going to read God's word over you. And let that wash over you to help direct you towards a wise way choice. So you may want to just bow your head and and close your eyes for a few moments, you know, put anything down that might be distracting. Some of you in this room may have a relationship where there's been a quarrel, there's been a brokenness, there's sort of been a, just a division in the relationship. It might be new, it might be from a long, long time ago. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to just put your hand up right now.
Proverbs 13.10 says, Pride only breeds quarrels, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. Some of you in this room may be dealing with a situation of anger. And you're struggling with your anger, and you're struggling with what to do with your anger. If this is you, just put your hand up right now. Proverbs 19.11 says, Sensible people, they control their temper, and they earn respect by overlooking wrongs. Some of you have some, some big questions about your career. Some big questions about where God is directing you, where, where is the future headed? Are you in the right career path? Are you doing the right thing? If that's you, just, just put your hand up right now. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who is at work in you. It is God who is at work in you. And both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Some of you desperately need to hear God's voice. You need to hear his answer to a prayer, his direction. If that's you, just put your hand up right now. Isaiah 30, 21 says, Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. Some of us in this room, we need counsel. We need insight. We need clarity about which way to turn. If that's you, just put your hand up. Psalm 32.8 says, I will instruct you, and I will teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you, and I will watch over you. And Father, we thank you that you tell us so clearly in your word in the book of Jeremiah that we can call to you, that we can literally call out to you and you will answer us and you will tell us great and unsearchable things that we do not know. And so, Father, we are doing just that. We are calling out to you. We are calling out to you and we are asking Father, please give us the courage to know how to make wise way choices. Give us the self-control to not just follow our emotions, not just follow our heart, God. To not just move in the way of acting, but to choose to ask first. God, we pray that you would give us the boldness to listen to you, and then to follow what you ask us to do. Father, we thank you that we don't have to go looking for you, but that you are here. We are in your presence, and your counsel, and your direction, and your wisdom is available to us. So God, we ask you, we ask you to direct us 
in a wise way choice. We thank you for Jesus who modeled this kind of life for us. We pray this in his name. Amen.